0: Do you believe you can live a pain-free, vital life? Do you want to step back into your power and share your gifts with the world? Are you ready to make a commitment to you? It's time to reclaim your inheritance as a self-healer. Welcome to The Nature of Healing. Hello, healers. Welcome to The Nature of Healing. I'm Roseanne. And it's Thursday, May 9th. Put on your thinking caps for this one. What is smaller than a bread box and can carry 8,000 times its weight? If you guessed an ant, think smaller. Today I want to talk to you about nanobots. And this is based on a recent blog I wrote called Designer Nanobots Changing Humanity. And I'll include a link to that uh, blog in the notes. So nanobots are so small, they function on the same level as viruses and bacteria. A nano is a millionth of a millimeter or 40,000 times smaller than the thickness of human hair. How many nanobots can fit on the head of a pin? (laughs) That would be one million. But they're not just going to stand on that pin. These tiny nanobots are programmable. They take orders and do odd jobs like cleaning out blocked arteries or swimming in oceans to eat chemical pollution. Science calls them the greatest thing since sliced bread. However, this technology has previously been advertised. You might have heard of them previously known as T4 bacteriophages since at least 2004. The original T4 bacteriophage could be called a nanobot by today's definition. A bacteriophage is a virus that parasitizes a bacterium by infecting it and reproducing inside of it. Now, T4 phages are viruses that attack all types of cells, including neurons. And the six-legged T4 phage is a virus infection device and has been used in vaccines for at least a decade. This mini-bot delivers phage or phage DNA from the head into the host of the cell cytoplasm. This is Trojan horse technology because it implants DNA directly into your cells to forever change future generations it delivers a dna payload to egg cells in the ovaries and also to the male reproductive system so as you let your mind contemplate this you might be wondering could the consequences of this stealth technology that affects neurons the brain the gonads could this be responsible for neutering males causing infertility And creating an epidemic of gender confusion, as well as the rise of kids who choose to be non-binary? Could this all be part of a United Nations transgender agenda that is writing new transgender laws, like in Maine this week, to remove he and him from the state laws and replace it with gender-neutral terms? Does it explain Michelle Pfeiffer's new gender-neutral fragrance line or actor Charlize Theron's um, going public to report that her daughter is a transgender? Is this UN agenda normalizing the divine androgyne to replace the divine male and female as non-male and non-female, basically an it? The it? is being supported through laws and it's being advertised in schools as the new normal. But are nanobots changing genetics to re-engineer humanity? To make it appealing to the public, the news talks about how nanobots can be utilized in all areas of life, from manufacturing, to the environment, to warfare, both outside and inside the body. Medical researchers claim they can target cancer directly at the tumor and avoid killing healthy cells with these nanobots. But cancer, if you think about it, is what happens when your cells become damaged and can no longer self-correct or self-destruct. How do nanobots avoid damaging cells after injecting them with a payload? diabetes researchers say nanobots can travel through the bloodstream and collect data about glucose levels and transmit it to a receiver. This fascination factor seems to be usurping the potential damage that's not being reported. Nanobots can be programmed to stand on two legs, like their larger robot cousins, They can be programmed to self-replicate and build nanofactories so that a small group can build more nanobots and develop into a massive swarm to tackle large-scale projects. Nanobots can trigger cell suicide, something your body already directs through something called apoptosis. Nanobots are the handiwork of the defense Advanced Research Project, or DARPA, which has also unleashed genetically engineered mosquitoes as flying pesticides to spread genetically modified viruses to crops. You might have heard about certain companies like Oxitec, which claim to have patented these killer mosquitoes that can suppress wild mosquito populations that carry pathogens and therefore stop the spread of viruses such as Zika Or diseases such as malaria or dengue. Okay, so now I want to connect this nanobotic push to the rise of disease and specifically how governments have blamed the Zika virus for the rise in microcephaly when it was likely a virus added to the population through nanobots. Okay, so you might have to suspend some disbelief here, but it's not really that difficult. Well, let's first give some background on what microcephaly is. Now, I don't know if this is still true. If you go to this website, but when I first wrote an article on this uh, in 2015, I found the University of Rochester, New York Medical Center, had a definition of microcephaly causes on their website, and their list of causes started with number one: genetic disorders. Two, exposure to hazardous chemicals or substances. Three, methylmercury poisoning. Four, a lack of proper vitamins and nutrients in the diet. Five, intrauterine infection with cytomegalovirus, rubella, or varicella virus. Six, prescription or illegal drug and alcohol consumption. And seven, untreated phenylketonuria. At the same time, I found the Foundation for Children with Microcephaly and their website, which reported that 25,000 microcephalic babies were born each year in the U.S., diagnosed with no connection to the virus. But no one attempted to explain the cause unless you can Go to that list I mentioned and see that exposure to these heavy metals like mercury or chemicals or even certain viruses that are found in vaccines can contribute to this manifestation of microcephaly. Well, in 2015, the company called OxyTech released genetically modified mosquitoes in Brazil, which resulted in a dramatic increase in the Zika virus among the population, which resulted in a rise in microcephaly in newborns. Um, The article that I wrote back then is called Zika Recipe for Disaster, and I'll leave a link in the show notes for this too. But if you go back before that 2015 report with with that release of mosquitoes in Brazil and that rise in microcephaly there... But if you go back to 2012, um, you find that the CDC told women to get their Tdap shot in their third trimester of pregnancy. Was that a good idea? These recommendations are based on studies looking at the effectiveness of cocooning which is based on mathematical models, not on real life evidence. And it goes to a baboon study that showed that those assumptions cannot necessarily be made. But prior to FDA licensure, the Tdap vaccine was not tested or proven safe and effective for pregnant women in large clinical trials when given during every pregnancy, either singly or simultaneously. So when did those 25,000 microcephalic babies start arriving? Soon after 2012. In 2013, the Gates Foundation then funded a project to genetically engineer mosquitoes so that they could produce and deliver a vaccine via their saliva. And then in 2015, those genetically engineered mosquitoes were released in Brazil. As of 2016, January, unapproved GE mosquitoes, genetically engineered mosquitoes, may have been released in Florida. You might say, well, where is the study to suggest that the Tdap during pregnancy might be associated with microcephaly? You know, I'm just comparing numbers and kind of connecting dots. But for that question, I'll refer to a study published in November of 2016 in the Journal of the American Medical Association titled TDAP Vaccination During Pregnancy and Microcephaly and Other Structural Brain Defects in Offspring, which found that cases of microcephaly in Brazil increased substantially during 2015, likely associated with maternal Zika virus. Infections. However, three cases overlapped with the November 2014 initiation of Brazil's maternal TDAP program, they write. So, we do have some evidence that's been published. Strangely, however, even with these questionable outcomes, the authors concluded that the findings support recommendations for routine TDAP administration during pregnancy. So they are disclosing the connections that people can make between these uh, events, but they're always uh, following up with their standard promotion of vaccination. Around the same time, a vaccine called the Dengue for the dengue fever was being developed by a French pharmaceutical company called Sanofi Pasteur. Dengavaxia was tested in several large trials with more than 30,000 kids globally and the results were published in the prestigious New England Journal of Medicine. A report on this was printed for NPR.org by Michaelene Dusilev. The results were pretty dramatic. One of the scientists who'd been studying this disease for more than 50 years knew there was a problem. He looked at the study's vaccine data in the clinical trial, and for some of the children, the vaccine didn't seem to work. He said it appeared harmful. When those kids caught dengue after being vaccinated, the vaccine appeared to worsen the disease. Uh, And kids who had never been exposed to Dengue, it seemed to increase the risk of deadly complications called plasma leakage syndrome, where blood vessels start to leak yellow fluid from the blood. So he tried to get the word out, the message out, but of course it landed on deaf ears and the vaccine manufacturer disagreed with this man's interpretation. They wrote a rebuttal and in July of 2016, the World Health Organization went ahead and recommended the vaccine for all children ages 9 to 16. However, in November of 2017, Sanofi published an announcement saying it had new information about the safety of this vaccine. And at that time, all the concerns were confirmed. Um, it said for people who had been previously infected with dengue virus, a vaccine should not be recommended. Now in the Philippines, this was bad news. Uh, The vaccine contributed to the deaths of 10 children, and it led to harming 100,000 children. So some of these kids will never be the same again. In fact, about 800,000 Philippine children had been vaccinated. More than 100,000 of them had never been infected with dengue and should never have received the shot. Unfortunately, here in the U.S., the approval of the vaccine is going to be used in Puerto Rico. So the FDA has approved its use in Puerto Rico, the U.S., and the British Virgin Islands, including Guam. But it does come with this important restriction that Doctors must have proof of a prior dengue infection to ensure the vaccine will not pose any risks to the child. Still, they're still recommending a vaccine that has killed 10 and injured 100,000 kids. This is the vaccine program. The problem with all these nanoviral experiments and nanorobotics under so-called prevention is that life always finds a way, Right? The truth is that the consequences of nanotech have not been evaluated or they're evaluated as experiments on the general public in real time. What if nanobots multiplied beyond control and decided to consume everything in sight? What if they dropped off a payload of medicine to a cell, but then took some genetic material in return or What if they reported to your doctor that you're not compliant with taking your medications? What if nanobots develop a mind of their own and decide to escape? This actually happened in Russia twice with a robot called Promobot I-77. He escaped twice from his captors before its ultimate demise. What are the consequences of an army of robots deployed in the privacy of your body? The answer is there is no privacy and no control. A bioinvasion of nanobots eliminates autonomy over your mind and body. Nanobots represent warfare on the human population, body, mind, and spirit, all at the micron level. The Pentagon's research arm claims agricultural nanobots are intended to defend crops, but they don't deny the dual use potential as biological weaponry. Researchers from Germany and France published a critique of the program dubbed Insect Allies in the 2018 October 5th edition of Science and called it a breach of the Biological Weapons Convention. They conclude, quote, The knowledge to be gained from this program appears very limited in its capacity to enhance U.S. agriculture or respond to national emergencies, and therefore the program may be wildly perceived as an effort to develop biological agents for hostile purposes and their means of delivery, end quote. This calls for a quote from Donald Rumsfeld. And he said this during a 2002 news briefing linking Iraq to weapons of mass destruction. You might have heard it. He said, quote, there are no knowns. These are things we know that we know. There are known unknowns. That is to say, there are things that we know we don't know. But there are also unknown unknowns. There are things we don't know we don't know. (laughs) I have to laugh. It is so perfect to describe our government. Do they know what the heck they're doing? Possibly so, actually. That is the scary part. These tiny bots have a plan to which we're oblivious. Whether they are deployed in industrial cleanups or bodily cleanups, these nanobots are nano weapons able to gather raw materials wherever they find them to construct anything they want or anything they're directed to do? DARPA uses biomimicry for the hummingbird nano air vehicle to gather surveillance data on people. An external power source means that these stealth hummingbirds can be remotely controlled. New nanobots are solar powered, but That energy source limits how deeply the robots could be injected into tissue. This is according to an article. Future nanobots may be powered using magnetic fields or ultrasound, making it possible for them to travel deeply into the human body. Now, from my perspective in, you know, doing this research over the years, if they are writing about it, they're disclosing it, they're already doing it. It's not about the future. It's about what they're doing right now. I mean, is it too much to ask for a moratorium on these types of genetic experiments? As robots are slowly replacing humans in manufacturing jobs, will they also be calling the shots in your body without your permission? Do you think you have a say? This brings us to that Hegelian dialectic of problem reaction solution which currently controls the narrative in this in this world this is a government program government stirs the pot to create conflict uncertainty and these conditions that create beliefs control at all costs is the purpose of government when people begin to rise up and think for themselves and question government like we're doing here The heat gets turned up, and what better way for government to turn up the heat than through an unseeable virus? Let's define a virus. A virus is a nucleic acid molecule in a protein coat, too small to be seen by a light microscope, and that replicates within its host. Science now recognizes that 10% of our own cells are viral. Just like nature works in balance, we too are a melting pot of bacteria, virus, and other microbes living in harmony within our environment. You've heard of the microbiome? Well, that includes viruses, yeast, and even parasites, worms. It's when these worms, yeast, and viruses come out of balance that you have uh, a dysfunctional or imbalance relationship. Western medicine defines a virus as the causative agent of an infectious disease to be terminated. Officials demonize the virus and we believe them and take on these beliefs as our own. This is the point at which they have created the perfect recipe for the next disaster. It's as easy as problem, reaction, solution. So first they create this conflict and they make it personal. They say you're going to be affected or infected with this invisible unseen virus. Call it whatever you want. Call it HIV, Ebola, Zika. You could also think back to polio or the black plague for that matter. This is a common theme. In each case, the government created uncertainty by alerting people to a sharp rise in unusual symptoms they claimed were infectious and dubbed them with a new disease label. Without directing attention to known toxic exposures of the time, the chief of the public health agency blamed the lowly virus that only he could sniff out. In the case of polio, exposures that created paralysis affecting whole nations were later traced to the widespread aerial spraying of the toxic pesticide DDT under the guise of preventing polio, right? How ironic is that? Completely by design. With everyone distracted over a virus, nobody was looking up to the planes to connect the dots that this was all based on their exposures. The Black Death of the 13th century, known as the plague, was blamed on a bacterium during a time when there were no microscopes to identify a microbe. Only recently, researchers examining plague DNA found in 25 14th century skeletons evidence that the diseases were airborne rather than distributed via flea bites. Medieval doctors at the time thought the plague was created by air, corrupted by humid weather, decaying unburied bodies, and fumes produced by poor poor sanitation. So looking at exposures, it was likely that the great famine that came before that preceded the Black Plague that reduced immunity of the population and created conditions ripe for the spread of respiratory disease resulted from poor air quality as the people began using coal. The recommended treatment of the plague at the time was a good diet, rest, and relocating to a non-infected environment so the individual could get access to clean air. So nothing has changed since those early medieval times, if we think about it. It's the problem-reaction solution that has existed since the 1600s, 1700s. That's step one to create this conflict, create this fear of something unseen. Step two is to create hysteria. We see that in the news headlines of today, how dangerous viruses will spread through the population and kill those most vulnerable. It was once polio, then Zika, then Ebola, and now it's measles. And then step three of this problem-reaction-solution is to roll out the solution. Always a vaccine. Or in the case of nanotechnology, nanobots. Same thing. Once hysteria ramps up in the population, they, meaning those who control the narrative, those who control the hysteria, will roll out the solution. That's patented, of course. Someone is guaranteed to make a lot of money. Remember when Tamiflu rolled out as a solution to uh, one of those viruses? Donald Rumsfeld, government official, made a lot of money as a board member of the company who got the government contract with all the hospitals. Yep. Okay, it's time to switch gears now that we know the methods used on humans. We need to talk about our own technology now. This is the the good stuff. Human technology. Consider that if you know how to manipulate frequencies, you can disengage nanotech in your body all by yourself. As your body is an earth suit made up of electromagnetic frequencies in an electromagnetic matrix, you are here to play with frequencies. No one's told you that before. And no one has told you how you can do that, but you have to understand nature's healing modalities that are reflected in homeopathic medicines, in acupuncture, herbalism, aromatherapy, palotherapy, and other natural modalities. Humanity is the technology that usurps nanotech, the same technology taps into the wisdom of how your body heals itself. Your ability to know if you have nanobots swimming inside you allows you also to be able to shut it off. That kind of technology begins with building your intuition alongside your immune system, beginning with lifestyle changes that incorporate natural medicines and food as medicine. Talk to a naturopath for more information on how to strengthen your own defense system to make nanobots obsolete in your body. All problems in a matrix of polarity come with solutions because you are more than the earth suit. You know, there are breathing exercises to bring oxygen to your cells and there are meditation exercises to bring light that you are, you are a light body, but to bring that light focused into your core, where that lightness overtakes any darkness that you might have taken on over time and pushes it out. You physically push it out through your breath. Uh, There are many meditations um, that you can connect with. If you have any questions, give me a call and I can direct you to certain people. Um, But you do have the power and the wisdom to take care of this technology because you are the technology. You are beyond that nanobot technology. So that's kind of some food for thought um, and thinking about yourself as more than the earth suit. So until next time healers, Lots of love. Visit or consult with Roseanne Lindsay, naturopath, at natureofhealing.org, where you can find her books at her website and at amazon.com.